We bring in oh. the Iron Horse, Gary. Look at that transition. Perfect timing. I know, right? Sharply, there was... Usually there's a crossover, but this time it's like Brandon on the way out. Gary steps in. Good coordination between the two. It's excellent. We uh, we had some foreshadowing here in the Schmidt household this week uh, that the and... big that the Pac-12 was going to implode. No, that the, oh. the Huskies were coming to town, and <laughs> Junior jumped on the table. We have two dogs that you hear and sometimes see one of them, but yeah. there was a chance to adopt a five-month-old Husky named Moses. Um, and uh, I got some Husky intel for you. I have some yeah, Husky well, intel. Well, uh, the mama bear said <laughs> both of you can move out if you do adopt him. So uh, <laughs> good he idea. Has been adopted by a different family. Good but, idea. Yeah, he was he was all about bringing a husky to, to the to the Schmidt house," said Rudolph. So, uh, we yeah. we passed on that, and you fast forward forty eight hours. Hey, two new roommates, Sharpie, with uh, the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is uh, Kevin Warren wanted this last year, and the Big Ten presidents kind of stood in his way. And you know, at the time, the Pac twelve wasn't imploding like it was now. And you know, the Pac twelve. I mean, the Pac twelve lost five teams in a span of a day. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the Big Ten got to 18. I mean, it's it's not for everyone. I'm sure not everybody was celebrating yesterday. If you love college football and the fabric, but we know it's changed. We're we're at the end of the day, we're going to get the best brands. We're going to get the best games. And if you're Nebraska, you thank your lucky stars that over a decade ago you saw the writing on the wall and got out of a league and got to another league that has given you financial stability and stability where you don't have to worry where the Big Ten is going. Yeah. Real quick on Huskies, little intel on them. <laughs> I have a dog trainer friend, and uh-huh. uh, she says, okay, one, they're, they're, I mean, they're great pet. They're, you know, beautiful. They're awesome. Yeah. Obviously. But the, the amount of shedding they do is unparalleled. Yep. I mean, it's I just that. like you live with that hair long after they're gone. Like, it's, it's, it gets in everything. And then two – because of their makeup genetically or otherwise, she's like, you ever notice like whenever it's like a missing dog sign, like half the time it's a Husky because when they leave, they, they don't need you. They're just like, I'm out. Like, they're just wow. like, you know, it's not that they're disloyal. It's just that they're suited to like be wolves. And so they're just out. Uh, so it's a good thing you didn't get it. You're setting yourself up for sadness later. Yeah. Uh, which, is, which is good. Um, Anyway, setting ourselves uh, up for sadness thank you yes yeah it, it, it would have left it, it would have ran away can i just throw in there actually with all seriousness i have a dog on the loose right now in northeast lincoln oh, no. so if you see any dogs on the loose in northeast lincoln probably well it's oh, not no. it's my roommates technically uh the dog's name is wyoming new dog on the run right now so if you're in northeast lincoln and you see a dog on the run give elijah herbal a call it's probably mine can we describe it yeah well, you gotta describe it. a miniature aussie shepherd so it's, oh, uh, God, it's those things are white and orange, boundless energy, white, orange, and much faster than me, as I found out yesterday. So that dog is somewhere in Northeast Lincoln. If you see it, give me a call would be much appreciated. Uh, my roommate's number is also on the tag. So that's that's my aside it, for dogs on the loose. Anything. Another thing my dog trainer friend talked about anything that ends in shepherd. It needs a job. If it doesn't uh-huh. have a job, that thing's on the move. So like, yep. you said Northeast Lincoln could be in mead by now like it's <laughs> doing something it's wow 
That's a, it's, that's it's, a trip. It's, it's bellying up for a little safety meeting at, at, uh, in Havelock, uh, possibly. Yeah. Uh, what was the quote in Billy Madison? You get off your ass and you find that bleeping dog, Elijah. I, I think that's what <laughs> rings through during story time. Sharpie, what's your takeaway this week from, from practice? Do uh, you like what you're hearing from Nebraska? Hey, my takeaway is that I did not know that Kranich was Caesar Milan, who is a famous dog trainer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. what, 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 I train people. Put the, put the football <laughs> stuff aside. Let's talk about the knowledge of dogs by Mark Kranich. I, I mean, rehabilitate that, dogs. I train people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what? It's, uh, I, I think going back to last Friday, it's kind of been an insight into how Matt Rule is going to operate. Basically, it's do your job. And mm-hmm. he doesn't like stuff to linger. He handles stuff in a professional way. Doesn't throw guys under the bus. You can sense his disappointment uh, this week in a couple of moves that he had to make. But I, I think you start early. You set the standards. And, you know, if somebody doesn't want to adhere to those standards, you don't completely just run them over. You understand their situation, but you have a program to run. And I, I think we've seen that. You know, I, I think also, and we'll hear from Rule later this morning, it, it's been a good week. I mean, it's, it's tough to read into things. I like the idea of running two practices simultaneously. You know, Mike Riley kind of did that. Um, it got guys a lot of reps. It probably got guys, man, they probably slept in on Thursday in the dorms because they went three straight days with that. So we'll see. I, I think once you get past the first week, then things start to settle in. But I'll be curious to hear Rule's tone after the first week. You know, he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. But if you ask a good question, get a good response. So I'm, I'm curious to see his body language and his response to how this first week went. And some of the guys that need to step up, did they step up? One of those guys, and he's probably occupied maybe 20 seconds of, of our airwaves over the last few years on the show, but uh, kind of a forgotten one, Ruquan Buckley. Mm. Yep. Right? And, and if you look at his trajectory, this will be year three for him, which traditionally that's how long it takes a quality offensive or defensive lineman in a developmental program to even get a sniff of playing time. Do you think that's a guy that will figure into the rotation? You, you got Hutmacher, you got Ty Robinson. Those are kind of the bigs that you can semi-count on. Is Ruquan in that mix? Um, he's in the seven to nine. I think they're going to play seven to nine guys. And, you know, the thing why we didn't hear about him, he's young. Um, yeah. You know, he is, Has he? I don't think he's turned 19 yet. So he was 17 when he got here, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he's growing into his body. By the way, this week, it has been very noticeable how guys' body composition is a lot different. Like, wait till you, you know, Teddy Prohaska looks really, really lean for 6'10", 330. Mm-hmm. Ben, Scott, <laughs> ben Scott in the spring, I thought he had like a baby face, and he's about 310. And he's up there on the podium the other day, and I'm like, wow, that's a chiseled face now. And you look at other guys like Corcoran, and some of the defensive linemen like Hutmacher, and then Buckley, their bodies definitely look different, like they've been reportioned. Mm. I think Buckley is in the mix to play and be part of that rotation. I think they really want him, Mark, to make a step forward. I think they believe in Mm. him. It's just he was really, really young coming into college and playing that position. I mean, there are some grown men that are in the trenches. And if you're still a little kid, man, you are in trouble. So I think he's going to be one of the guys that are in there, but – you know, they're trying to coach themselves into options on the defensive line. I, I think Hutmacher is one of those guys that has to have a quick start because if he starts quick and him and Gunnarsson start quick and Robinson, 
then that alleviates some of the concerns that you have. But they're going to definitely get to seven or nine guys that they want to play by the end of the year. Yeah. It's Gary Sharp with us here, a weekend edition of Hail Varsity. And Gary, whenever you, you talk about the trenches and that, that body composition, I want to focus in on the offensive line here. Ethan Piper is the guy that we talked to at Big Ten Media Days. And I think you can notice the, the change in body composition with him. But yep. what is the, the, still the main concern with the offensive line with me is that depth factor. Whenever you talk about the Big Ten and the, the grind that that Big Ten season is. And you hear good things about... Yeah, this offensive line's developing under Coach Royal in year two. They're, they're looking a lot different. The body composition's changed. But how worrisome is that depth piece to you whenever you talk about the offensive line? Because, I mean, based on what we saw in the spring, I know some guys come back from injury. Like, Gunnar Gatula could be a guy that gets relied upon this season if things don't go your way in the injury department. Is that still a concern to you now a week into fall yeah. camp? I, I think, and, that, and that's going to be a concern for a while, Elijah. You know this. You've talked about it on air with Schmitty, is they would love to have to get to seven to eight guys I mean, I think there's probably six guys right now they can definitely count on, but they're asking guys to make a step forward. I think it's next week is a week to listen closely to offensive linemen that are not in your starting five that are mentioned mm. because a couple of guys that are completely off the radar, um, what, Dylan Parrott? I mean, yeah. who's that guy? But he gets mentioned quite a bit. So Early think, by yeah, rule, too. Yeah, this is, a, this is a week to listen to guys that – you know, are not the Prohaskas to the Scots, to the Noellis, to the Pipers, to the Corcorans, to the Benharts, to see who else is out there. But, you know, I, I think there's some of those guys in the back part of the offensive line that we've been waiting on. I mean, Latovsky, we, we like him. He's one of the stronger guys on the roster. But at some point, you got to make a push to play. Um, so I think this is upcoming as a big week for Nebraska. I think this is a big transition week when they start on Monday because they're going to be in full pads, and now you start to separate some guys, and they'll start to make decisions on, okay, what group are you going to be with? Because when they turn the corner for two weeks from the now, then they got to start thinking about Minnesota. they got to start gearing up for, for, you know, how's it going to look when they get to game week. So this upcoming week I think is big for offensive linemen. Gary Sharp joining us, weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity. Sharpie, uh, I want to go to the running backs and – uh, spend some time there. We had a chance to hear from Gabe Irvin, uh, Ramir Johnson as well. It's pretty fascinating to, to think about Nebraska's options. You, you heard good things from E.J. Barthel as well, and he made it clear that they're not ready to even talk starters. But it sounds like he, he was happy with the starting point and the progress. And do you like, uh, from the onset here, do you like Nebraska's options at running back? I do. But isn't it amazing, guys? We – we finally heard about Anthony Grant. Yeah. <laughs> we, we talk about Anthony Grant being co-number one, but boy, his name hasn't really come up much. Outside of he was suspended at the beginning of spring, and, you know, they said, hey, Anthony, you got to do this, this, and this. And he said, I got it, coach, and he was quickly back. But you really have not heard anybody talk about him. I think us in the media and the fan base have talked more about Anthony Grant. Now we know why. Because it, it appears to me, and I could be wrong, guys, maybe I'm reading too much into what Coach uh, Barthel said the other day, is they are redoing Anthony Grant. There is no doubt. When Anthony yeah. Grant gets to the second level, man, he's dangerous. But what's the issue with Anthony Grant last year? The first level. He couldn't handle the first level. So yeah. it sounds to me that they are reworking him to make him a full-scale running back. And if that happens – Man, if 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 they're what they're betting on Irvin and he comes through, I love that combo. And then you throw in Ramir, 
who Ramir looks great at 190. And he's like, yeah. people are going, why are you still here? You are, you might be, you're lied to, but yet you keep, you keep here. I mean, there's a guy that I think will have 30 catches this year. So yes, sure. I, mm-hmm. I like that trio. And you know, we've always clamored um, for bell cows and the number one running back. College football is going this way of a two-headed running back, especially in the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. Look at Michigan. Look at Ohio State. They don't just have one guy. It's not just Blake Corum. It's Edwards. It's not just Henderson at Ohio State. It's Williams as well. So I don't have a problem with being one-two, but I, I do like Nebraska's options going one-two-three. And, and Gary, with that in mind, the fact that college football is moving to more of a, a two-headed system, and that's not just college football. That's the NFL as well. That's how football as a whole is moving. I think a lot of people had that running back battle as one of the most interesting going into fall camp. Do you still feel that way one way one week into fall camp that that running back battle is one to watch for? Which position battle are you still watching as fall camp moves on as being well, of paramount I, I don't, importance? I don't think they consider it a battle at running back because both are going to play. Mm-hmm. But they, I mean, I get the feeling that Gabe Irvin, Gabe Irvin is went into camp as number one. Um, I, I think there's some other spots like tight end. There's options at tight end, but we don't know anything about him. We don't know if Gilbert's going to be eligible. We want Fedoni to stay healthy. Borkisher is the most consistent guy at tight end. But after that, you go, hmm. And remember, you've had a little bit of a coaching change there. So even though you've probably upgraded in terms of experience at Division One level, it's still you gotta you got to be concerned about that. Um, I, I think we got our indication from Corcoran the other day that Ben Hart's going to start at the tackle spot. I think you got to solidify Teddy Prohaska. Can Teddy stay healthy? And can Teddy get to the level that we think he can be at? So that's a position that is up in the air. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, I mean, now with the departure of Farmer, and, you know, Farmer was running with the twos and the threes in the spring. And, yes, Miles Farmer started 11 games, but the same issue he had last year that we talked about, he had this year in terms of speed. So what does the safety position look like? Is Malcolm Hartsog more valuable as a safety or as a cornerback? If you pair him with Newsom, you got Newsom Hartsog on the corners. But, boy, I like, and I know, Mark, you love the guy, Schmitty, as well. I like Hartzog as a safety. So I think mm-hmm. in the back end how that safety is going to play out from Brown to Singleton to Hill to what they decide with Gifford is pretty fascinating. Yeah, he's a he's Mathow-like, right? Type, yep. Like yep. He's that kind of just really versatile piece, doesn't have the size, but, you know, he can hit and he can cover. He can do all, you know, wherever you want to put him in the defensive backfield, he'll excel. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. And Gary, we were talking uh, before you came on with Brandon, just going to uh, just going to Fan Day last year, and I was I was just or last week, I was just struck by how many scholarship options you have at defensive back. Yeah, um, it feels like I don't know if this is true, but I, it feels like it's probably the most scholarship options, and this is even after Farmer's departure that you've had in a while. It just seems like Nebraska is not going to be as reliant at, on walk-ons as maybe they've been in the past. A guy that I'm curious about, um, and we've talked about him on this show. We've subtweeted him a little bit, but Tommy Hill, yeah, you know he made he made business decisions when it came to tackling last year, and that's why he didn't see the field. Period. Right? Just you know, uh, it's not that he wasn't capable, yeah. but he, you know, he he was just not in, he he had that Lamar Jackson thing going on <laughs> where he's just like he wasn't interested in hitting. He, he just wasn't. But you see him up close and physically, he stands out amongst that very impressive athletic group as like the the best specimen yeah. on that on that entire group. Do you feel like he is going to get 
do, do you feel like maybe he's because it's a mentality shift that he has to make more than yeah. anything. It's yeah. nothing to do with physical. It's mentality. Well, don't you think last year? I mean, talk about a guy that's had a roller coaster of a career in Nebraska from transferring from Arizona State to is he going to play? Then in the middle of the year, he's on the other side of the ball and he really doesn't play. And then he's back on the other side of the ball. He's a very confident yeah. person that I thought last year, Travis Fisher and him kind of butted heads. T. Fish would mm-hmm. say, we, we, we know what you can do. How come you can't do it? And <laughs> I, I, I think there were times where he lost his confidence and then he started to, he started to blame the coaches. So they were mm-hmm. like, okay, this guy's a great athlete. I don't want him over here on this side of the ball. Okay, you guys take him and find a place for him. And I, I think he got a new lease on life with a new coaching staff. And I sense that confidence is back. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting to see him because I think he's an incredible athlete. Um, but he's a guy that's got to play. I'll give you another guy on this defensive back conversation. And it's really, really early. And I don't know what the level will be, how much he will play. But keep an eye on Dwight Boodle. Really? DiCaprio Boodle's brother, they mm-hmm. like a lot. He's got some learning to do, but I wouldn't be surprised if he finds a way onto the field um, at some point this year where he's out there in a key situation. He's a guy to watch. But back to Tommy Hill, I, I think they need Tommy Hill to be in the mix. But there's also Singleton. You know, yeah. he's still around. And then the other guy, probably the guy, and, 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 and you guys can answer this, probably the guy that in the defensive backfield that might be the most important because it could solidify a spot is Omar Brown. Mm-hmm. And what do we what do we know about Omar Brown? I thought Omar Brown was one of the worst players in college football against Northwestern last year in Dublin. And then later in the year, I thought, man, there's a guy that if you stick with it, he can help you. I'll give you one more name to look out for just from the eye just from the eyeball test. Uh, again, from Fan Day, right? I was <laughs> I was in front of them for all. How many, the autog- how many autographs did you get, Craig? No, a better question yeah. is, did you sign Malachi Coleman's autograph board for the kids? Is your John Hancock on there? I did not. My son did. We got clarification. It was good. Your son signed uh, players' uh, little uh, name tags, and you got pictures yeah. with the cheerleaders. It was cool. I love your. I love your Instagram. Yeah, thanks. He, he, he was he he was happy to oblige. You're like, Will you sign mine. He's like, yeah, give me a marker. I got you. Um, so, the the other guy that stands out just from the eyeball test, uh, true freshman Ramir Stewart. He looks like a 35 year old man. I, like he looked like the oldest guy on, at that table and he's a true freshman i mean he is a physically developed that dude looks scary he really does um and i, I don't know if that'll translate to to this year or anything like that but he he was he definitely stood out you know what so this is i mean we don't want to go all fan day on this but that is a great <laughs> observation don't you guys notice you know, yeah, like we were at we were at Big Ten Media Day, Schmitty, and the Ohio State and Michigan guys always look older than anybody else. Whether, <laughs> well, they're, whether they're juniors or seniors, they always look older the way they're built. There are you're right. There are some freshmen like Prince Will and Lenhart. When they showed up in the spring, you went, man. There's not a lot of people at Nebraska that age look like that. Now you're noticing there's some dudes that have come into the program. And you go, that guy looks different. Just when mm-hmm. people see. Eric or Eric Gilbert, that guy doesn't. That's what that's what an SEC player looks like. MJ Sherman, that's what an SEC player yeah. looks like. There are some guys that are coming in as a freshman that kind of have that look, and you go, hmm, okay, because a lot of the freshmen that come into Nebraska, 
look like these baby-faced kids that it takes a couple of years for them to grow up, not grown-arse men that you see right away. Well, like, yeah, Gary, to your point, like, kind of reminds me of that scene from uh, the bench warmers where you have that 40-year-old Dominican yeah. pitcher and he's got the $20 <laughs> bill, I am 12. That's kind of what some of these freshmen look like this year. Yeah, yeah I, Jason Machacek looks like my uncle. I mean, <laughs> well, I think there's something to be said about that. You know, guys that come in and physically they look like they're ahead of the curve. Um, you know, I mean, look at look at every time you see an Alabama guy interviewed. Don't you think? <laughs> right. How how are you? How are you in college? You look like you're in your 30s. You want to ask Vietnam tats. Yeah, yeah, you want to ask him, were you able to refinance a few years ago uh, <laughs> with your mortgage? And do you like your minivan? I mean, but no, that that's important, though. Can you get can you get guys Jeff Sims, that are, another one that are a little bit more physically mature to come in? I mean, is your starting point going to be greater in how much development do you have to invest? Right. They're going to develop. Well, so we, I had this discussion yesterday on my show, and a little bit had to do with Gilbert. And you know, everybody yeah. wants to say, hey, who's going to be the first guy off the bus? Well, <laughs> when does Nebraska get to the point that the first guy off the bus is actually the guy that's driving the bus? You know, if you go back to, and you referenced Billy Madison earlier, Chris Farley was driving the bus, but Chris Farley, <laughs> you didn't want him to be the first guy off the bus. No. <laughs> oh, stopped it. Okay, so everybody has said for years, man, Damian, Turn this damn thing yeah. around right now. Damian, by the way, one of the more underrated little parts that Chris Farley ever did. Doesn't, doesn't okay. get talked about as much. Okay, but everybody for the longest time said, hey, man, I want Damian Jackson being the first guy off the bus. But we never said, I want Damian Jackson driving the bus. When does Nebraska get to the first guy off the bus is actually the guy that's driving the bus? Mm-hmm. And Nebraska's mm-hmm. Kelly Leak. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick, back back to running back and speaking of physically impressive, is all right. Gabe Irvin. I God, is he just is he the just the practice all star? Oh, like, you know I, what you, I mean. You, you like every like coach. Him. You do no, not well, like. But him. here's no, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. I hope it works out. Like I, I'm, I'm never rooting against any of these guys. Um, but. You know, he he has impressed each staff each year. You know, he's just like, wow, he's so good. And he, he gets to the top of the heap and then he gets in games and it doesn't happen. Right. So, it's just like so, it doesn't happen. So let me ask you, I, I'm, not, I'm not fighting back here against you. Where do you remember where your opinion was on him when he first got started at Nebraska before the injury against Oklahoma? Were not you fairly high on him? No. Okay. I, I was I was intrigued by him. Okay. I was like, oh, I got this freshman that's coming in and he's taking over. Like, wow, he must be really something. But then name name the awesome run that he's well, had. I, <laughs> like, he, last, he was he was, was, he was last early. Year, last year was a little rough because he was still coming back from I mean, that was a major knee injury. And, and I don't know that they had full confidence in him. But I think the, the new staff came in, and like that's one of the first players Marcus Satterfield identified when they were watching actually practice tape. And they that's were like, how, how come this – well, because – Talking about was, practice. There was, that was just the first – some of the first tape they started to watch. And so then they, watched, then they watched his game cut up. <laughs> right. And they were that's, like – There's a big gap there. Well, yeah, but, is. but I don't – So I, far. I, here, here's the thing. I don't think they would – they have been all in on him since November 28th. And I don't think they would go that deep without them having a belief that he's going to be one of the better running backs in the Big Ten this year. 
Because it's not, sure just, it's not like passing, yeah. hey, we got Gabe Irvin. They have gone all in. Now, Gabe has taken the baton and is trying to run away with it. You look what he did to his body. I mean, they oh, put out a picture yeah. yesterday, and he's making a jump cut, and you see that he's got every muscle except for the football, you know, having muscles. Um, I, I, I think you will. I think he's the kind of guy they believe can be on the field for all three downs. Now, he's, he's in prove-it mode. I'm with you. But I just – he gets a lot of pushback, and I'm just—I always ask the question, why? I think it's just because when you go back to Rex, you go back to Amir, you go back to uh, God, the guy last year that just transferred to AJ Allen. Oh, why do I AJ Allen? Name? AJ Allen. It's just like those guys jump off the page immediately, and like in the games, irvin has got all the measurables. He's got obviously the dedication he's got the right mentality the coach is like like he has a lot of positives i'm not trying to yeah. kill the guy here i'm just saying you, I, I just haven't seen that thing where you're like oh well, well, wow mark, like, that okay. was something can, can i throw this right? back at, at you mark and ask you the question of of do you think that gabe irvin's style as a running back ever really meshed up with what nebraska had in the offensive line over the past couple of seasons because you think about what his i mean he's a he's a three yards in a cloud of dust kind of guy he's he's, a bruiser he's gonna put his head down nebraska's offensive line wasn't the the type that was excelling at running the football inside over the past couple years that's fair people talk about that's fair people talk about uh anthony granton his well he always wanted to balance it outside if they hit the first level well what did he have at the first level it was a a, a scrum <laughs> a rugby scrum on the inside to put it lightly and sometimes you got to yeah. make the most out of nothing and cut it outside and see what you have out there because there's nothing inside i am also with you mark i think it's prove it time for gabe Irvin. and if yeah, the coaching staff is is seeing his praises i'm excited to see what he can do on the field this year but i don't so, think his style ever quite lined up with what nebraska was able so, to do with their five offensive linemen in the past two seasons i i agree with that so he's got his first year, he had 37 carries under his belt. Remember, last year he also had turf toe. So, and also, I don't think, I don't think Apple White bought into him. I, I don't no. think, I, I don't think Apple White saw him as a guy that could run inside zone. Um, you know, could be good between the tackles. And I think you got a new position coach that identifies him and said, "You're going to be a guy that I don't want to see you bouncing it outside all the time. I want to see you between the tackles." And I think he's latched onto that. Now, I will tell you this. After talking to Gabe in the summer, um, he knows that he's under the gun. He knows that this might be the last dance for him because he has gotten this new lease on life where coaches have invested in him, and he has taken it, and he has hung at the top of the running back room. He knows that there's a lot of eyes on him, and he's got to go out there and prove it because if he doesn't prove it here, his time probably in Nebraska is done. So he, he is clearly aware of that, and I think he has grabbed onto that on the field and then off the field if you look how he has gone about his business in terms of weights. But a position coach I think will benefit greatly and is, to Elijah's point, an OC that will put him in a better position than last year and saying quit bouncing things outside. You're going to be a guy between the tackles. You can also bounce it outside, but we want you inside as well. Guys, I love the fact that he and – sorry, real quick, Chris. He and Anthony Grant went to the same high school. That's just that's absurd. You know, Grant no, it, started and, and, and Irvin replaced him. Like, it's crazy. No, I think, I think the confidence factor to, to, to put a bow on, on this real quick is, is huge. I think it, it speaks volumes to kind of how, the, the vibe he's given off with how he's had to battle back from injury. I mean, that, that – Elijah, we were down at Oklahoma for that. And mm-hmm. – is just gruesome where your yeah. legs go out from under you. 
And then you have the turf toe to your point, Sharpie. I mean, that, that's, that sucks to even think about, let alone try and carry the football with it. And no, I, I have, I've seen that burst and I, and I want to see him full go, right? Sharpie with that prove it mode where you've got the, the physicality, but I think he's got the, the burst, the speed to have a nice uh, hybrid of, of, you know, fast and powerful. And you know what? Uh, with the offensive line coming along, you'll see the best there is of of Gabe Irvin. And, and he wants it, man. And he said yeah. it as, as much after yeah. practice. I don't want a committee. I want to be the guy. So we'll see all if right. he can follow through with it. I know we're up against it. I'm going to ask a question for all three of you guys. Nebraska hasn't had a 1,000-yard rusher since Ozigbo did it in 2018. 1,082 yards. If Nebraska has a 1,000-yard rusher this year, who is it? And why does Nebraska have a thousand yard rusher? Man, uh, we were talking about how many yards does your running back room need a few weeks back. Yeah. I, if they can, I still like, if I'm picking the guy I like best that, that kind of jumps off the screen to me, I like Grant. And I yeah. know that, I know that there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but I just love his combination uh, of, that, that home run ability. So I think that's yep. who I picked to get the grand. And I think Gabe is right there to do 700 or better with his role. And I think with Ramir, he can come in and, and probably pop you for, I don't know, a few carries. Vogue's told us that uh, the running backs were averaging about 12 to 13 attempts under the Satterfield offense. So it's going to be spread around with the, the different roles. But I think mm-hmm. Ramir's more of your – uh, catch and run combo, but I, I like I like Grant. I want to see if Grant uh, can can kind of wow all year long, and, and then Irvin's obviously that second punch. And, and to give you a non-committal answer, Gary, and I apologize for this. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I, I think that thousand-yard rusher, who that guy is going to be, or who that guy could potentially be. We're going to find out through the course of the first two, three games who the hot hand is going to be. Who's able to tote the rock with success against Minnesota, against Colorado? I, I think this is a battle in terms of who's going to be the starter that's going to go into this season. I think you need to see some something from these guys in the field as the offense meshes as well. But I think your numbers, if you get a guy that's 1,000 yards, a guy that's 500 yards, and a guy that's 250 yards, I think that's a recipe for success, and I think you have the potential. And if we're laying out Schmitty's, if Grant's 1,000, you can bring in Gabe Irvin to be that bruiser on some, some third and short, some second and short type situations. And you got Ramir Johnson, a scat back, who's going to get some carries as well and, and be a threat in the passing game. I think that's your breakdown. If you have 1,500 and 250 from your three top backs, I think that's a recipe for success in the Big Ten. I, look, I think, uh, I think Gabe Irvin is, is Spence. I think he's a power guy, right? <laughs> and I think Grant is Crawford. He's got more tools. Mm, and nice. so I think, I think it's going to be Irvin to kind of start games. He'll do okay. He'll bring in Grant. Grant's going to be getting stuff done at the second level. They'll stick with him longer. If Nebraska builds a lead, they'll bring in Irvin to close the thing out. That's how I think most games are going to end up going. If, Grant just gives you something yeah. extra. If Nebraska has a 1,000-yard rusher this year, they also have a first-team All-Big Ten offensive lineman. Yeah. yeah. That could be Scott. I, I like Nuri. Be, I like Nuri. Yeah, it could be Nuri. Yeah, don't count out Nuri. Those Germans. Well, I, mean, I, think, what. I mean, let's not forget. <laughs> let's not forget. If you go back a couple of seasons, he's the second best offensive lineman on that team, aside from Cam Jurgens. Cam Jurgens yeah, is yeah. by far and away the top, but Nuri yeah. was was right in that second you're spot. You're right. We, we steroids we, helped, but you know. 
Wow. Jesus. Wow. He got suspended for it. They don't come on. What are you suspended for? He got suspended for something. That was never officially out there. And it's yeah, we don't know what it was. Enhancing drugs. What are, are you also going to blame this whole country for bombing Pearl Harbor? I mean... <laughs> Listen, hell I, no. He <laughs> should feel a little hey, guilty. No, in all, in all honesty, the timing of when his suspension came down last year screwed that offensive line. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Big time. That was that was in the middle of June. Yeah. I mean, it, guys, you're talking about PED. Like, what? It was. St- I mean, what else is it? Acid? No. No, no. Well, there's there's, there's 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 different. You back to your Oregon. Hey, everything's legal as we kick this thing off with the big. Dead expansion. Uh, no, yeah. there's different things. Like, I'm not saying I know what it is, but I'm not going to say it was pincushion time. You know, you, <laughs> you, you can take pills that there's a, a banned substance in the pill, right? I mean, he, we, I don't know. he made a mistake. for the whole year. He made a mistake, yeah. and, I, and, and it's a selfish one. He took a yeah. supplement that was not allowed. He's got to pay for it. He did last year. Fortunately, there's a spot still for him, and he's a guy that's got a chip on his shoulder to say, man, I'm sorry for last year. I'm going to make mm-hmm. up for it. So he's a guy. But I think at the end of the day, this is me, Ben Scott will be your best offensive lineman, and that's okay to have your center as your best offensive lineman. Yes. We'll take that. We'll take mm-hmm. that. Okay. I'm, I'm all in on Ben Scott. I think he's going to be so vital at that position because since Jurgens. And even before Jurgens, you know, center has been a revolving door. We've always wondered, hey, could Piper yeah. slide down there and play? Where's right. Paul Thurston? If you have a guy that comes in and could be a couple-year starter at center and solidify that spot, man, look what Cam Jurgens did. But the rest around him wasn't as good. I think the collection of linemen around Ben Scott is better than when Jurgens was here. And I think Ben Scott will help those guys uh, along the way. I, I think – as we see the year goes along, Ben Scott will turn out to be Nebraska's best offensive lineman. Hmm. Totally agree. Okay. Sharpie, okay. swing the clubs, get some birdies this weekend, all right? I will uh, I will try. It's uh, it's hard to believe, man. We're Four weeks from today, we're going to be discussing what happened Thursday night in Minneapolis. Oof. I know. Are you, hey, are you sticking good. around? Are you sticking around for Pearl Jam out there, Gary? Are you going? I, uh, I will not be sticking around for Pearl Jam. No. Okay. Yeah. Dang yeah, it. I was going to say, I don't have anyone to sit with because somebody ditched me on the sweet tickets. No. But, you know. Oh, wow. Ooh. Listen, Ooh, I didn't call anybody out. Anything. Oh, it's Mark. He's going to admit to it. I did not ditch it. I didn't even procure the tickets. My friend got the tickets. Uh-huh. He got uh-huh. two tickets. All right. Uh-huh. Well, hey, but there is the, the thing with everything that went on yesterday and last week, it will be nice. We're about to have football. Uh, the one yeah. thing I don't like, this is August is football. We're supposed to talk about football. Not about conference realignment. So get out the way. Let's get back to our football and let's play in less than four weeks. Can I propose a quick little overtime segment? Just a quick right. one. Well, we're in five minutes of overtime. We're like soccer. Go USA. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're plus four. We don't know when this thing's going to end. You know, just whenever the ref <laughs> well, comes out and blows. Some of us have some of us have tea Eli- times. So. Elijah, <laughs> Elijah went down a little bit, so that's our injury time. He disappeared yeah. from the camera and then he came back. So yeah. Same. And they sprayed the magic um, spray on me, and I was all good. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so four new additions, right, to the Big Ten yeah. so far. There's going to be more. USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. Which sport outside of football just got infinitely better for the Big Ten? Which sport outside of football just got infinitely better 
I think you got to go baseball. I think you got to go baseball or softball, don't you? I, I would go volleyball. baseball, and then I looked up, and yes, and volleyballs historically yeah. yes, historically yes, but Oregon was, I believe, the only other school in the top twenty-five in the in the closing rankings for for baseball. Okay, so volleyballs. It. Volleyball is going to be gnarly. Well, let's yeah. also, let's also be there. clear. Do you know how much of a step up it is to add one top 25 team to the Big Ten in baseball? That is a monumental step up to even have a top 25 team. Well, here's the thing. I think hoops. You've got to hopefully, hopefully adding Oregon and Washington, two teams that have parentally been in the NCAA tournament. Oregon got to a super <laughs> this year where they got beat by ORU is you are, you are going to need the conference to – commit to baseball as much as these new schools are Mm. usc is building a new baseball stadium ucla has won a national championship in the last decade plus so if the big 10 office can match the enthusiasm for baseball then we're headed somewhere but volleyball is the one and i know that tom brings up track i mean your 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 conference championship probably is going to the incredible facility haywood field out in oregon yeah, but volleyball would be my I'm number. Checking one. out the track Vo- rankings. Here. Yeah, volley volleyball. By the way, um, it is uh, volleyball is going to be good. If you win the conference, they might as well hand you the NCAA championship. Mm-hmm. Vic, mm-hmm. our dear friend from uh, Vic from Denver. It's not OT when you show up on uh, radio time. We show we up were, five minutes late. We go five minutes long, baby. We we yeah, were exactly. We were. All ready to go at 7.45, I think. And then we went at 7.50. <laughs> yeah, we were just, okay, we had to huddle. We had to huddle. But, yeah. no, I like the question. Satterfield. Satterfield's wish. Yeah. Satterfield's wish. Tribute but, the huddle. I, I think, historically, though, I, I think the biggest boost, so uh, to me it's hoops, though, right? Really? Like UCLA, uh, we're gonna obviously, have some, Oregon, I mean, obviously. We're, we're going to have real trouble in Nebraska watching games in Eugene. Are we properly prepared for that floor? No, no, floor I'm just glad just to see Dana terrible. again, though, man. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I mean, Dana finally get to coach at PBA, huh? <laughs> right. And and you know you got you got Bronny in at SC. Yeah. Well, and I, I, uh, I, and who knows about Bill Walton? I don't know who gets him. I want him doing I think big long term. I think long term, though, you said it though, baseball. I think that will be the biggest boon for the Big Ten. They far. needed it. They needed and I, I think I, they, they've, they haven't been great lately. The, the pac 12 in, in baseball, I haven't been great. Um, it's all Southeast. The base baseball is just mm-hmm. in the Southeast. Well, here is long-term. I think it's going to really help. Okay. My, my final thought, cause I know we got to get off uh, the bandwidth is the big 10 now can go coast to coast, right? <laughs> they are going to be next year. They're going to have three major platforms. They could be going football from 11A to 11P. Yep. The SEC hasn't done anything, which is scary because they just kind of been sitting there and nobody has said a word. Nobody at any of those schools has talked about expansion this week. Nothing. Yeah. It's time to win. Guys, since 2007, football and men's basketball, the Big Ten has won one national championship, Ohio State in 2014. During the same time period, just those two sports – the SEC is one nineteen. It's yep. time. It's time to win. It's you've got you've got everything in place. It's now time for the Big Ten and the two major sports to win championships. Mm. 
Absolutely. The SEC is going to snap up Clemson, Florida State, Miami, a couple others. That's what's going to happen. That's what I think. It's they're, they're more philosophically aligned. And then and, and then I think Big Ten snaps up North Carolina, Georgia Tech. You know, no, I think the Big Ten, they'll they'll find a way for Miami and get me Notre Dame. Get me hey, 20 that we, way. We, we can't quit Notre Dame. This has been going no. on for 20 years. I mean, there could be a world war breakout, and Notre Dame would be like Poland or Switzerland. They would choose yeah. neutrality. Okay? Yeah. So we can't quit Notre and, Dame. And claim victory. But, but, but everybody says, oh, Notre Dame's going to go to the conference. Well, the ACC missed a huge opportunity in 2020 when they gave Notre Dame a lifeline during the COVID year to come play some football games in the conference instead of saying, you better bring your whole dang program in this conference or you ain't playing football in 2020. They missed out on that opportunity. Why would Notre Dame join a conference? They've got the brand. They've got a TV network that will pay them. Now, will it pay them what they want after the contract ends in 25? And also, they got another lifeline with the playoff, which said you do not have to win a conference to be in the playoff, that there can be wild cards. Notre Dame's in a great spot. I don't know why. We need at some point, we need to quit Notre Dame. And and thinking that they're coming to the Big Ten, even though they would align with the Big Ten more than any other conference in America. And and I don't think you rule out Stanford, by the way. I think from a football standpoint, eh, but academically and then all other sports. Yeah, they have like in the Sears Cup, Learfield Cup, whatever they call it. Yes, but there's, there's no appeal there because it seems like they're always attached to California. I wouldn't be surprised if Stanford football kicks the tires on being independent for football only. Yep. I think, I I think you're right. They, and they could, they could do that. They have a, I mean, God, every single website that's ever launched has roots in Stanford. I mean, they, they have so yeah. much money. Uh, yeah. I can see that. Hmm. Sharpie, enjoy your weekend, brother. Thanks for the all time. Right. This was Thanks, fun, man. Uh, all right. So Let's doesn't, the, doesn't, doesn't, the, these doesn't the official go like that on soccer when – the half is over. Yes, that, he that, might. That's halftime, and then full time yeah. isn't. Yeah. Okay, so it's also that, a TFL, and it's also what you would like to see a lot of uh, four weeks from Thursday night. Absolutely, extreme, extreme. Right. Good, baby. All right, thanks, guys. Talk to you next yeah, week. The there, there he is. Okay, there he got is. speed.